0: In there. I want to talk to you today about this idea of I speak Jesus. Now, I, I wasn't really sure where we should go this Sunday. I, I, I was having so much fun in January sharing with you what I felt like was the Lord's heart for us, and, and it was. If you missed any of the messages in January thus far, can I really encourage you? Uh, it was last October, I felt the Lord lay so powerfully on my heart that we need to refocus on worship on the importance of worship and and we are created, our number one goal in life is to bring glory and honor and worship to Jesus. So we talked all about that and I thought I might have one more message in me on that but uh, I couldn't help but to jump in where we're going in February. Every year in February we take the whole month and we focus outward, we focus on evangelism, focus on reaching people outside of the church and even all over the nations. And so that's where we're going uh, in February, and, and we just put a, a title on that whole month, I Speak Jesus. And I know it's kind of a, a handy song to kind of go along with it, but really, we want to prophetically speak the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth this month. We're going to have prayer times, we're going to have uh, uh, some guest speakers, and I'm going to be speaking. It's, everything we do, though, it's, we just want to prophetically just see, see the gospel reach the ends of the earth and the ends of my driveway, Right? I mean, because we, we want to see the gospel reach my neighbors and reach the people who, who talk in languages that I can't even understand. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That's our heartbeat. And we want to speak Jesus prophetically. But I thought before we get into February and we start speaking Jesus, maybe we ought to help define a little further. What does that mean? What, what is the name of Jesus? When we speak the name of Jesus, what are we saying? What, what do we mean by that? And so, uh, can, can I just take you back? Have you ever asked your mom, your dad, where'd you get my name? Like, why'd you, of all the names that you could have named me, why'd you, why'd you name me what you named me? I remember even uh, for our, our girls, I have three daughters, most of you know, I have Ashton, I have Tate, and I have Hayden. I, well, Megan was part of it too, but <clears throat> we have three children, three daughters, and, and I remember when it, when it came time to choose their names, I mean, it was just, you could, I, I was just like completely overwhelmed. I mean, I don't know if you've ever named a person before, but it, it's, it's it's kind of a big deal, and I'm so glad my wife was there to help, uh, and really to, really, really spearhead the whole thing, because she would come up with the name for each one of the kids, and and, and she even would come up typically with a pool of names and, and she'd shoot them out to me, what do you think of this one, what do you think of this one, what do you think of this one and, and one would eventually, the more she said the one okay I like that one, I like that one and we ended up with Ashton, we ended up with Tate, we ended up with Hayden, I love those names now there were some names we didn't, we didn't choose, now, and I'm not going to tell you what those names are because some of them are your names and I, I, <laughs> I don't want you to get a complex <laughs> pastor said my name isn't very good <clears throat> but there's something about your name. And, and, and uh, probably Megan, better than I, could go back and say, well, when we chose this name for this girl, we, this was kind of the idea. Her name means this or that or this. And, you know, Scott, it's kind of just like the name of the 1970s or um, uh, the boy or whatever. I, I don't know. If the, you know, Scott from Scotland. No, no, no real Scottish. Anything in my background, more Amish, German, Swiss, you know. Um, but he, here's what I want you to get. When we think about the name of Jesus, it's the name above every name. In fact, the book of Philippians says it this way. They gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does that name Jesus mean? What does that name Jesus mean? The name Jesus literally, let me back up here. As I even studied this, I was reminded of this. Did you know that the name Jesus, um, there were other people named Jesus at this time? That Jesus that we know, our Messiah, our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, wasn't the only Jesus. In fact, Josephus, my good friend, no, he's a first century, first century historian. So you got the Bible, God's word. And then you got other historians that lived in the first century. And Josephus, he says that he knew seven, he records, he knew seven different Jesuses. Yeah, you knew seven different people with the name Jesus. Four of them were actually high priests. And so when you read in the Gospels that Jesus um, was Jesus of Nazareth, ah, that's part of the reason why they put that in there, so that you could tell that this was who they were talking about. Now, of course, in the Gospels, if you mention a Jesus, we pretty much know. But there are, in Acts chapter 9, I believe it's Acts chapter 9. There's uh, the false prophet Bar Jesus in uh, Colossians chapter 4. Paul mentions a fellow worker named Jesus who they called Justice. Probably a good idea to give him a different name. The name Jesus announced to Mary and Joseph through the angels means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. Transliterated from Hebrew and Aramaic just in case you don't know those languages. The name is Yeshua or Joshua. The word is a combination of Yah, an abbreviation for Yahweh. The name of Israel, uh, uh, of God's people's God in the Old Testament, right? Um, So the verb Yasha means rescue, deliver, or save. So Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. The Lord is salvation. Despite its commonness, the name Jesus is remarkably significant. Because as you even think about Jesus and his name, Yeshua, and you think about Joshua, who was in the Old Testament. Joshua in the Old Testament led his people to victory over the Canaanites. When Jesus in the New Testament led his people to victory over sin and spiritual enemies. Amen? You think about that. What's in the name? Let's be clear, though. The name of Jesus is not a magic wand. It's not a bippity-boppity-boo. <laughs> I have girls, throw me a bone. <laughs> it's, it, it's not a magic word. I remember Derek Miller in a group, uh, he was a, a friend of ours uh, growing up, and, and there's a bunch of guys were playing basketball, and Derek, if you happen to hear about this or you're watching this, it, it's all, I love you, bro, we're, all, we're good. <laughs> But here's the deal. Derek and a bunch of guys are we're playing this game called Twenty One, and and the whole thing is, is you want to get twenty one points, and and it's like everyone for himself, and you make one, you get two points, then you get go back to the foul line, and and then you shoot, you know, for one point, some of you, uh, anyhow. So so Derek he made the shot. He's at twenty points. This is all I remember. Twenty points. He goes back to the foul line. And we know if Derek makes this shot, what happens? He wins, right? He wins. Okay. And so I'll never forget it. We're standing there, and Derek goes, In the name of Jesus! (laughs) And he shoots the shot. I honestly, I don't even remember if it went in or not. All I know is even as a teenager, I thought, You shouldn't have said that. I'm waiting for lightning to come and strike him down. (laughs) He'll get touched. the name of Jesus, maybe, no, for sure, not the best use of the name of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't something that we can shout out and we can use appropriately. I remember my mom, she told me this story many times as as we we would drive, there's a certain intersection over on the way from here to the University Park Mall. It's in Mishawaka Granger area. The intersection has since been changed up. but several times as we drove through that intersection, my mom would tell me the story about how just some years uh, earlier her and, and her friend Bev were going shopping. and they were heading that direction. They were in that intersection. And as they got into that intersection, the car died. And uh, she said, um, my mom t- shared this story with me and said, it was one of the scariest moments of our lives because there was a big old truck or something coming this way, didn't have to stop. And so it was just, as she told the story, it's one of these things where it took like a time to, but I'm sure it was just boom, 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 just car coming, truck coming, they're sitting in the middle of the intersection, The car died. And they're frantically trying to get it started. And her friend Bev shouts out, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, help us. And my mom testifies that at that moment, as Bev turned that car over, it started up just like that. She put it in first and took off. And of course, they lived to tell the rest of the story. You'll never, ever, 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 ever be able to tell anyone uh, or to prove to anyone, to me or anyone, that that wasn't something powerful that God was involved in. The name of Jesus. Can I stop and just say something to you? Mamas, listen to me. I haven't talked to my mom in over 30 some years. She's been in heaven this whole time. But as I was preparing this message, I want you to know I heard my mom's voice. I heard what she, the seeds she had sown into me the, of the gospel and of Jesus. And, and, and this story came back to my mind. And there's some of you, your moms sitting here, and you're wondering, are my, are my kids even listening? Do they even hear when I speak to them the name of Jesus? When I encourage them and share stories of faith with them? Let me let me just tell you, they may rebel from you at one point, they may walk away, but I just want to encourage you: keep speaking the name of Jesus to your kids, keep sharing those stories, because who knows what's going to happen someday? And I can't help but just pick on the Berts over here, because that Bev was Jay Bert's mom, and. Bev's Bev's son is sitting right over here, Jay Burt, and 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 I'm uh, is is your daughter here today? No, she's oh, of all the time. Well, your son-in-law's here, Christian's uh, yeah. <laughs> here. But well, I, I I just I see that family, and it's another family where 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 a mama wasn't afraid to speak the name of Jesus and encourage their kids to believe in Jesus. Moms, I don't know why, I just felt that so powerful can i just encourage you don't give up don't stop keep speaking the truth and the love of jesus to your kids something powerful about the name of jesus that's why we could sing songs to him i uh i i'm i'm sure we got some bill and gloria gaither fans here maybe not everyone but many of you they wrote the song there's just something about that name i remember singing that growing up in church and there is Something powerful about that name. You can go all the way back to um, uh, some time ago when when they wrote the old hymn, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Got to make sure you get that one right. Bring forth the royal diadem. Sing it with me. And crown him. Sing it, come on. Lord of all, bring forth the royal Diadem and crown him, Lord of all. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Oh, it's a power, something powerful. A couple years ago, they um, uh, they wrote the song Hillsong wrote that. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. There's something powerful about the name of Jesus. It's a beautiful name. And, and you know, as, as you study the name of Jesus and, and you think about Jesus as not just the name, but as the person, if you study the Old Testament, and i told you before, every time we read the Old Testament, we should always read it with Jesus in mind. Every time you read the Old Testament, read it with Jesus in mind. Where, where's Jesus at in this? As you study the Old Testament and you study the New Testament, there, there's over 50 different titles that Jesus has. You know, I, I, could, I could share with you today 50 different names and, and titles that, that, that not only was Jesus named Jesus, but he was also the uh, this or that or this. And But I, I'm not, we don't have enough time for 50 today, but can we just just talk to you about a couple? Can I talk to you about a couple? In fact, I don't even have any notes today um, because I want to do less teaching today and more just, in, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today about the power of, Of the name and the person of Jesus he was the Lamb of God John the Baptist an interesting fellow John the Baptist was ministering and speaking and then we see this in the gospel of John John chapter 1 verse 29 the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world the title Lamb of God would be associated in the minds of the Jews with perhaps the Passover Lamb. Or the lambs that would be used daily uh, uh, for the sacrifice of the sin offerings. And calling Jesus the Lamb of God, John pointed to Jesus as that substitutionary sacrifice for us all. But for us, when we hear the Lamb of God, it doesn't necessarily ring that way. But when John called him the Lamb of God, most everyone there would have been used to the sacrificial system, and they'd put the connection there. Maybe they'd even think about um, when when they were in um, uh, a synagogue, and they had the reading of scriptures, and they read Isaiah. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter maybe as, as John even said that there were those, who are the Lamb of God what, what did he say? Shlomo, I wish you could hear, what's the matter with you? he said he's the Lamb of God Oi vey and, 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 and they're going back and forth, Lamb of God I mean, the Lamb part I, I have this, these characters if you're new to Pathway I just, they just pop in my mind these Jewish characters going back and forth and, 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 and I can just imagine if, if we live there at that time and we're trying to figure this out Okay, the lamb part and and takes away the sin, I understand that. Because the sacrificial system for us as Jews, if if I lived in that day, I'd understand that the sacrifice, the the lamb, the shed blood, it's for my sin. But the lamb of God, that that man right there, the man who's standing right here, he's the lamb of God, I don't get that. I mean, you would understand the concept, but you wouldn't understand how that person could be the Lamb of God. And then, of course, give it time, and you'd figure it out really quick. As that precious Lamb of God went onto the cross and gave His life willingly, shed His blood willingly, the spotless Lamb, the only one worthy of it all, as we sang a few moments ago. As he gave His life, the Lamb of God. What's, what's in the name? When we speak Jesus, what are we speaking? We're speaking the Lamb of God, the the one, the the Redeemer, who will pay the penalty for our sins. we got to take ownership of our sins. Understand that. The Lamb of God doesn't have any real pertinence to us if we don't do anything with it. It's not important. But if we come to grips with the fact that we are sinners and we admit that, and then we accept what the Lamb of God did for us on the cross for our sins then we have salvation. How awesome is that? I heard a story recently about a doctor and a, and a, and a lawyer. <clears throat> Nothing against any doctors or lawyers or anything, attorneys or anything like that. But just tell a story about you. There's a doctor and a lawyer. They went to church service and, and it was a very powerful time and, and the gospel was presented and the doctor that Sunday was just like, I want to get saved. I got to give my life to Christ. And so the doctor prayed the prayer, committed his life to Christ, his life was changed. And a couple of weeks went by and the two of them kept coming, they're friends, so they kept coming to church, kept coming to church. And the attorney just wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And after a while, several months later, um, the the attorney finally just like, okay, I've got to give my life to Christ, you know. Just, and and so they were talking afterwards, just, why did it take, the, the doctor that first Sunday was like, yeah, uh, sign me up, I'll give my life to Christ. And the attorney was like, uh, um, uh, saying to the doctor, "Why do you think it took me so long to to, to give my life to Christ? Took me months. You 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 were there that first Sunday, but for me it took several months." I, I and and the doctor who knew his friend so well turned to the attorney friend and says, "And he said this. He said it's because you you had to come to a point where you stopped trying to prove your innocence. You you were <laughs> you were so committed." <laughs> given your job that you're proving how innocent you are how i i'm not guilty i'm not guilty but at one point he had to come to the point where he realized i am guilty every one of us have to come to the point where you are guilty i am guilty of my sins and the only way i can deal with that sin isn't through being a good person but through submitting to the lamb of god as we speak jesus through prayer time as we speak Jesus in the month of February, let me tell you what we're speaking. We're speaking the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We speak Jesus to our neighbors. We speak Jesus to the nations. Let me hit, hit another one. How about this one? Emmanuel. It's a, it's a big one around Christmas, right? We, we celebrate it. Emmanuel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is prophesied in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He'll eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Jesus was God in flesh. And he was literally God with us. The point was not that Jesus would ever bear the name Emmanuel. It wasn't so much that he would, Oh, Emmanuel, come here. That wasn't, that wasn't so much a thing. His name was Jesus. But that he would serve that role of God with us. His, his name describes, this name describes Jesus' role to bring God's presence to people. Jesus Christ, who was himself God, brought God to earth in the human body. He, living, eating, teaching, healing, and dying. And how interesting that even at the end when he gave us the great commission, he said, Go, and lo, I am with you. I'm with you, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us, he's with us, he's with us. Perhaps not even the prophet Isaiah understood how far-reaching the meaning of Emmanuel would be. That there was a plan of God had, had orchestrated for centuries. Heaven was coming down to earth, eternity was invading time. The king of the universe had come to be with us. And save us sinners, Emmanuel. God with us. Think about that. All the problems in this world can be traced back to sin. And the Son of God came to save you from your sins because you couldn't save yourself. Jesus Christ entered the world to identify our sins, forgive us of our sins, give us victory over our sins, and give us an eternal home free from sin. And I think that's pretty awesome. When we speak Jesus, we declare that God is here. God is with us. When we speak Jesus, we're speaking to those prisoners this week that Josh Haviland is is going into the prisons and and he's, he's ministering to this week. And our other missionaries and home and foreign missionaries are going into uh, uh, places where the gospel has never been shared before and they're speaking Jesus and letting them pe- people know Jesus is God with us. He's Emmanuel. When we speak Jesus, that's what we're saying. How about this one, King of the Jews? That's a the title they gave Jesus. Matthew 27, 37, above his head as he's on the cross, they place the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Typically, we understand that when someone would be crucified, a written charge would be put above him. Just imagine. There'd be a charge written above. And if this person was a murderer, they murderer. If this person was a, a thief, they put thief. Whatever it was that caused him to be put on the cross, put the title up there. What's well, the only thing that could tie back to Jesus? The only he was he was sinless. He, he didn't do anything wrong. What he ah? He called himself the king of the Jews. And uh, Pilate, John 19, the gospel of John 19 says that Pilate wrote this actually in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, so that anyone going to and from the city would read it. And the idea is, if this is a murderer and it says murderer, then people would walk by and see that person and say, I don't want to be there. What did he do? Ah, he murdered? Okay, I'm not going to murder then. That's the idea of why that title would be there. King of the Jews, it was a mocking thing. It was like, ha, this dipstick thinks he's the king of the Jews. <laughs> I mean, that's, it was a mocking thing. It wasn't a, uh, a anything, but little did they know that um, it was actually true. He, he was not only the king of the Jews, but king of the Gentiles too, right? I mean, he, he was. He was a king. He was stripped and executed in public view, had obviously lost his kingdom forever is what they thought. I'm sure Pilate hoped that this would be a warning to anyone trying to rise up against Rome. But Jesus, who turns the world's wisdom upside down, was just, he was really just coming into his kingdom, if you really think about it. He only, not only is the king of the Jews, but he's the king of the Gentiles, and his death and resurrection would strike that death blow to Satan's rule and would establish Christ's eternal authority here on earth. Oh, he was a king. He was the king. And when we speak Jesus, we're speaking his rule and his reign over all the world. I, 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 I was just praying even this morning. I was thinking about Ukraine. I don't know if you followed that at all and Russia and all that kind of stuff. And I sit here and th- if you don't just read up on it, but I don't know what to say about it. I don't know what to do about it. But I know this. I was just speaking Jesus over it this morning. I just speak the King of Kingdom of His of, of not of this world, but of Christ. Let let God let your kingdom come and let your will be done in that area and that thing. You know, I, I was reading about that song. By the way, this song the um, the people who wrote "I Speak Jesus." Um, I, I, I read I I read the kind of the thing that they were getting together. To, they were going to make a new album and cut some new songs. And I don't know if you've read this, but I, I thought it was interesting. As they got together to write some new songs and get together to record a new album, um, they, they were just trying to come to, they were just like, man, what's on our heart? What's on God, what's on your heart? They're praying, thinking. And, and li- literally, what came out of their mouth was this. is that Through this album, I, I don't know what to say, but through this album, I just want to speak Jesus to everyone that listens to it. I mean, I just want to speak the name of Jesus to all of our all the people that follow us, and I just want to speak you, And out of that came this song. That's the heart of it. And so when, when we speak Jesus, the, the King of the Jews, we speak His kingdom to come. His will be done. That's what we're speaking here. And that's what we're praying. We're speaking the name of Jesus. Just a couple more. How about this one, the bread of life? He's the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 30. Look at this. So they asked Him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Because our forefathers, well, it was pretty cool. They ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who is giving you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on. Hey, free bread, sign me up. Give us that bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Perhaps they heard the story of the woman at the well. And the woman at the well, well, Jesus said, "Um, listen, I I can give you water so that you won't thirst no more. And then there's bread. Wait a minute. I like this guy. He's going to give me free water, all the water I want. I don't have to go and get buckets, pails, whatever. And he's going to give me all the bread I want. Man, this is going to save me a lot of work. Sign me up. And Jesus is like, no, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go spiritually hungry. And he who believes in me will never be spiritually thirsty. That was the heart of it. The the present tense of this even indicates it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. It's a provision They weren't able to grasp that Jesus spoke about himself as the bread of life uh, 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 in in a sense of spiritual provision. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If people wanted this bread, they must come to Jesus and believe in him. And when Jesus used the words, I am, he was pointing to his unique and divine identity. In essence, the statement says, I, Lord God, am here to provide you with everything you need for your spiritual life. What's that mean, Scott? This is what it means. If you need hope, let me tell you, there's hope in Jesus. If you need healing, there's healing in Jesus. You need deliverance, you need to be set free. You know that sin that keeps coming around and coming around and coming around and you hate it about yourself and you know it's sin and you feel so guilty every time you do it. I just want to tell you, there is deliverance through the power of the blood of Jesus for you today. He can set you free, and he's come to set you free. Everything you need is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's in the cross. He's the bread of life, and when we speak Jesus, we're prophetically speaking the bread of life into people's lives, into your neighbor's lives. As we pray this month of February, as we sing it prophetically, as we pray it, we're speaking Jesus, we're speaking the provision of Jesus Christ into everyone's lives. Can I give you one more? Because it's in the book of Revelation. It's, he's the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus declares himself in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty in Revelation twenty-two thirteen, 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Did you know the Alpha and the Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet? The Lord God is the beginning and the end is what he's saying. God is the eternal Lord and ruler of the past, present, and future. God is sovereign over history and is in control of all things. And sometimes I don't understand that. It's hard to understand. If if you're really in control of all things, which I believe biblically, I see it. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I don't understand why some certain things happened in in my lifetime or in other people's lifetimes. I, I don't understand the whole Hitler thing. I don't understand genocide. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but I know this. He declares himself to be the Alpha and the Omega. He was there long before I was and will be here long after me. And I'm gonna put my faith and my trust and I'm gonna rest in him even in those things that I don't understand. And as we speak Jesus, you know what we're speaking? Listen, we're speaking. We're speaking the Alpha and the Omega. We're speaking the one who was from the beginning and will be until the end. When we speak Jesus to our neighbors, we speak Jesus to the nations. We speak Jesus to Peru. We speak Jesus to Argentina. We speak Jesus to Germany. We speak Jesus to our friends, our loved ones in Haiti. We speak Jesus... Speak Jesus to the countries and the nations all over the world. We speak Jesus to the inner cities. Next week, our friend Jay Covert's going to be here. You don't want to miss it. As he comes, he always shares something, and I'm sitting there. I can't believe you just said that, but he says it. And so I, I want to encourage you: be here next Sunday as we speak Jesus to to the inner cities. As Jay has oversight of I don't know 11 or 12 different inner city churches, and he's going to be here next week. You're going to hear about that. What God's doing one of our strategic missions partners. We speak Jesus to the inner cities because Jesus is powerful. There's something powerful about our Lord, our Savior. I told you that anytime we read the Old Testament, we should always read it with Jesus in mind. Can I finish up today with just sharing with you where Jesus is at in the books of the Bible? Maybe you've heard someone do this before, but here we go. In the book of Genesis, Jesus Christ is the breath of life. In the book of Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. You see, Jesus didn't just explode on the scene come Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus has been there since the very beginning. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalm, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's our bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's our righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's a wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. Come on. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy works in the midst of our days, Lord. And Zephaniah, he's our saviour. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain open up in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, New Testament, he's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's the servant, Savior. And Luke, he's the Son of Man, feeling what you feel. In, in John, he's the Son of God. In Acts, he is the Savior of the world. In Romans, he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the Rock, the Father of all Israel. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumphant one, giving victory. In Galatians, he is our liberty, he set you free. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. In Colossians, he is our completeness. In First and 2 Thessalonians, he is your hope. In 1 Timothy, he is your faith. In 2 Timothy, he is your stability. In Titus, he is your truth. In Philemon, he's your benefactor. In Hebrews, he is your perfection. In James, he is the power behind your faith. In 1 Peter, he's your example. In 2 Peter, he's your purity. In 1 John, he's your life. In 2 John, he's your pattern. In 3 John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he's your soon-coming king. Come on, give him praise. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Let me add this. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe, the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be. He's unmoved. He's unchanged. He's undefeated. He's never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced in our pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and he brought life. He has risen and he brings power. He reigns and he brings peace. The world can understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. And the leaders can't ignore him. Listen to me. Herod. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. People couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him. And science can't explain him. He is a life, love, longevity and more. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness in God. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. His mind is on me and on you. He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my guide. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort. He is my Lord, and He rules my life. Come on, give it.